Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden and natural world. I'm your host, Misty Little. Today's episode is one I've been wanting to make for quite a while, and I'm glad it finally happened. An interview with Leah Turner and Colleen Dieter from The Horticulturati, a garden and horticulture podcast based out of Austin, Texas. Leah and Colleen are both garden designers with extensive knowledge of the garden industry in and around Austin, and produce what I find to be the most delightful garden podcast out there. It certainly isn't a podcast only for gardeners in Austin or Texas because Leah and Colleen tackle issues in the industry from their most recent episode about problematic common names to ammonium nitrate and well beyond all of those topics. They make you think, laugh, and acquire more about the gardening life you lead. This is a longer episode than my usual podcast episodes, but I hope it gives you a great insight into who each of them are and entices you to check out their podcast and hit subscribe. All right, on to my conversation with Leah and Colleen. But I do want to start, maybe if you guys want to just introduce yourselves. I mean, I, I know a lot of folks listen to the Horticulturati podcast, but I don't know if a lot of people outside of that really know who you guys are, like, you know, what you guys do and how you guys even know each other. So if you have, one of y'all want to start that way, just introduce yourselves. You go first, Colleen. I'm Colleen Dieter. And I am one of the co-hosts of the Horticulturati podcast, and I own a business called uh, Red Wheelbarrow Landscape Consulting. And I also am one of the founding volunteers of Central Texas Seed Savers. Yeah, I was listening to the, your little uh, blast about that today. So that's exciting. It's so fun to make. Oh, <laughs> Leah did such a good job making that. It was really fun to listen to. Yeah, and I'm Leah Churner, and um, I'm a landscape designer. And I have, I, I own a business called Delta Dawn Gardens. And um, I had another podcast previously to the horticulturati called hot house that was more of an interview based show and then i uh decided that i wanted to um do more of a, a chatty show uh with colleen and so i kind of roped her into the idea and we that's when we started the, the horticulturati about uh, two almost three three years ago now yeah yeah i think so yeah know, we're going on three years mm-hmm. and i don't i wouldn't say that you roped me into it because I was really excited about the invitation and about your idea. And I love talking. So it was a good fit for me. I love the podcast because you guys take the time to research interesting topics. And then you have like, really, I think one of you guys seems to maybe dominate that topic for that month or, or whatever. And then you guys, you're kind of like, teaching the other person a little bit and you have a conversation and I really I really like that format because it's educational but friendly thanks that's what we were going for Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear that yeah and then you asked how we know each other um so Colleen and I used to work at a nursery in Austin called the natural gardener but we didn't work there at the same time but Colleen was teaching a class about perennial maintenance at the natural gardener one day while I was working there. And I, uh, just went up to her and I was like, I have all these questions. (laughs) I need you to tell me all this stuff. And how do you deal with nuts edge? And, you know, and, and, uh, I was just like, Oh, I'm going to be this girl. I'm going to befriend this girl. She's really cool. And 
So that was a while ago. Yeah. Like yeah. five or six years ago or a lot longer? And that would have been 2014. Dude. Okay. So about eight years. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'm very proud of my friendship with Leah because, <laughs> because I thought about it and I'm like, how often do you make a friend as an adult yeah. who you just made a friend through common interest? It's not like you're not my husband's wife and you're not my coworker and you're not, you know, it's like just full, full, like full force will our own will became friends yeah and like bonded over our mutual love of gardening and yeah it's definitely not something that happens Uh, too often (laughs) yeah it doesn't happen very often I think it's really special yeah and I'm glad Leah asked me questions after that class that day (laughs) yeah Colleen's taught me a lot over over the years so i'm always Um, grateful to her yeah and leah's taught me a lot too oh Mm -hmm. (laughs) well i mean how long have y'all both been in business and doing garden design and and garden installations i have been i've owned my business for almost 20 years now i can't believe it it'll be 20 years in february i'm stunned um and even prior to that, I was in the industry. Uh, so, but, but my business has changed dramatically through the years. I've offered lots of different services and tried lots of different configurations over time. But now what I do is, uh, consulting exclusively and, um, I help my customers by alleviating their anxieties about their yards. And my target customer is, uh, are people who are do-it-yourselfers. So people who want to do the gardening themselves, but they don't know what plants to choose, or they have drainage problems or all kinds of questions about how to get started, or maybe they keep killing plants or in the case of Austin, you know, there's so many people moving here from other parts of the world that there's a lot of people who, you know, enjoyed gardening where they lived before, but now it's so different in Austin, they need a little bit of guidance about how to move forward. Okay. So that's my focus now. And so what'd you do before, before you were in the industry, but before your business? Oh my gosh. Oh, before the business? Yeah. Well, I worked at Natural Gardener, as Leah said, uh, for one spring season. And that was in 2003, at the same time when I was starting my business. And I also worked for a local nonprofit organization called Sustainable Food Center. Um, They did a lot of they used to do a lot of gardening, community gardening kind of projects and stuff like that. And then prior to that, I was in college and I worked at an arboretum, a public garden, public arboretum while I was in college too. And I had a horticulture minor Okay. and, um, yeah, Chadwick Arboretum in Columbus, Ohio. Nice. Okay. I highly recommend if you're ever in Columbus. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Leah? How long have you had Delta Dawn? Oh, since I started it in 2015. So, you know, it's been almost 
ended up coming up on eight years. Cause that was started at the beginning of the, the year that year. And, um, I, yeah. So before that I did some nursery work. And before that, um, I worked with my aunt, my mom's sister had a little gardening business in Austin. And at the time I was actually, uh, I was just doing that kind of part-time. I was, um, a, I was a freelance writer at, at that time and, uh, writing, um, like re- reporting and reviewing movies and stuff like that. And it was very hard to, uh, earn a living doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I got really burned out and got tired of sitting at my computer all the time. And my aunt was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm doing these gardening jobs. Do you want to come out and help me? And I was like, okay, like, I don't know anything about plants, you know, but, and I was just like, I found that I enjoyed it so much. And I was like, man, like I go out at the beginning of the day and I'm like anxious and stressed out. And then like a few, you know, within a couple hours of working outside, I just, I feel so much better, you know? And so I was like, I'm I'm onto something here. And, and so that's, so after that, I went and got a job with the natural gardener and, um, then started my business a while after that. And, um, yeah, I didn't, I did not have any, uh, experience with plants really until I was 30 years old. So, um, I did not grow up with, (laughs) I did not grow up with, with a lot of gardening in my family at all, uh, except for my aunt, you know, and my grandmother, they both had, you know, have green thumbs. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a twist. That's cool. Yeah. So um, since you both had the natural gardener background, did, I mean, I'm curious, you know, maybe, maybe there's a little different than other nurseries, but did they teach you plants or did you kind of have to learn yourself? Like you get out there, you know, was there anybody mentoring you or it was just like, I'm in a retail position, that sort of thing. Colleen. I... <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know. It may have been different for both yeah. of you. I'm just curious yeah, I think because, it was. It, because that job it was. It seems for both of you guys who both take that job and turn it into something, you know? Oh yeah. Natural gardener nursery here in Austin is definitely like an incubator for lots of really good landscaping businesses. Like a lot of people get their start at natural gardener and then jump off from there to start businesses. It's pretty neat. I think it's a neat community. And then, you know, they put me, when I applied for my job at natural gardener way back, I, they make you take a test. apply for a job at natural (laughs) gardeners so that they kind of know, not like if you don't pass the test, you won't get the job, but it's like, so that they know where to put you Yeah, kind of, and they kind of know how much plant knowledge you have. And since I studied horticulture in college and I had my job at the Arboretum, uh, and a little bit of experience gardening, uh, in Texas, uh, they knew from college that I knew a lot about fertilizer. <laughs> so they put me in the working in the store and working the cash register, but helping people in like the fertilizer section. Okay. Okay. But I did a lot of, um, and I did have a mentor there. My friend Rosina, she and I are still friends, uh, trained me there. And I definitely would call her a mentor. Um, And then when I started my business too, I did have, I was really fortunate to connect with other landscapers, landscape designers, um, 
other people in the industry who I felt like I could call on for any kind of question, whether it was a business question or a plant question. Uh, I loved just, you know, chatting people up in the parking lot at the nursery when I'd bump into someone and say like anything from like, you know, oh, this one customer hasn't paid me yet to like, have you ever grown a Japanese maple to like, what kind of pants do you wear? You know, like all <laughs> right. that. I've been really fortunate having lots of people around me, um, uh, to become friends with who, you know, are both peers and mentors in some ways. And so that's been really great. And then I, I also, in terms of business, I've had a couple of business mentors too, who are not in the landscaping industry, but one person who is a business coach that I went to when I first started my business. And what was really neat about that experience with getting a business coach to help me when I was starting the business was that she connected me with another person who was also starting a business who is now one of my really close friends too, my friend Cecilia who was at the same time as me, she was starting up business as a house call veterinarian for cats. Oh, wow. Okay. And so she and I paired up our business coach, put us together to kind of read a book together was our first assignment. I did not read the book. Cecilia <laughs> read the book and then told me about it. And we, she still wanted to be my friend anyway. So <laughs> we, still, you know, get together and talk about business and talk about our businesses and how challenges that we're having in our, in our businesses, again, like bookkeeping, you know, difficult customers, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I've made a really conscious effort throughout my career to uh, ask questions, ask for help, you know, keep people around me who uh, are supportive and have similar experiences to mine. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, you don't think about all the little, say little people, the little components of people in your Mm -hmm. life who influence your businesses and help and help steer you in the right direction. Yeah. Being self-employed running and running a business, it can be really lonesome you know, can be really lonely compared to working for a bigger company where you're surrounded by people. And, um, there's major advantages to being self-employed and working for yourself. But one of the major disadvantages is kind of like getting caught in the echo chamber of your own mind. Yeah. And like believing stuff about your business or about yourself that isn't true and having other voices come in and be able to tell you like, that's not really entirely true or what you're thinking you're on the right track, but you're, you need to tweak this one thing or something just having other people to mirror you and, you know, kind of hear other perspectives is extremely helpful. And Leah is definitely that person for me nowadays too, especially since she is in the same industry that's what she and I have really bonded over talking about our businesses together too. Yeah. That's kind of where the, po- the podcast oh, kind of came out. Hold of on that. one, hold on one oh. second. I got to let my cat out. He's sure. meowing. Oh no. <laughs> they always got to go in or out. There you go. 
I know I decided to close the door. I was like, not sure if I should let them in or not. He was behaving Aww. until he hurt his brother and, and they, Oh no. Yeah. Needed out. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, Leah to interrupt. Um, oh yeah. I was just saying, yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons that the podcast came about is because Colleen and I would have lunch, you know, every once in a while and just be like, you know, here's what's going on with me. What's going on with you? You know? And, and finally we were like, well, what if we, what if we recorded these conversations? Yeah. Know, would anyone else want to hear them? <laughs> um, yeah. But back on the natural gardener thing. Yeah. I, I, they put me on the grounds crew when I started working there and it's a pretty big place. That's like, I don't know how many acres it is, but it's, you know, it's several acres and they have a lot of demonstration gardens mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that are really cool. And, um, I suppose because I had some maintenance experience, they, they put me on the ground crew and, but it was great because I, I really, um, it was like a, a boot camp for learning the plants and the, the plant maintenance and, and, and gardening stuff that, yeah. you know, getting, getting, getting better at it. And Rosina that who Colleen mentioned was a really great, uh, great person who was working there. She's moved since, but, um, and there's a, the head of the grounds crew is this guy, Roger, and he just taught me so much stuff. Um, you know, yeah. Oh, a lot to Roger. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine, I mean, the demonstration garden there is, or gardens there is, is pretty amazing. So I imagine just kind of being thrown into that and having to absorb all that plant knowledge uh was just pretty intense there's a lot of weeding yeah (laughs) but fortunately i like weeding (laughs) (laughs) um well i mean so you guys both had pretty different backgrounds on how you came to garden design and and your businesses when you started your business leah what was your main goal for for creating the business like what was your what did you want to accomplish to gardeners in Austin? Like, what did you see yourself? I mean, you obviously see yourself in a different place now than you did then. Um, are you at the level or in place that you thought you would be when you first started? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, yeah, I think, so. I mean, maybe not completely, but I, I definitely, when I started out, I wanted to do maintenance or I guess you could call it personal gardening or fine gardening or whatever, like, you know, stuffed with hand tools and, you know, uh, you know, slower techniques, a lot of pruning and weeding and trimming and planting and transplanting all that kind of, kind of gardening stuff. But I knew that I wanted to get more comfortable with design and planting design and stuff like that. And I have gotten a lot more comfortable with that. And I think that um, years of doing maintenance has really helped me, um, learn the plants, learn what the plants do at all the different times of year and how they behave and how they interact and stuff like that. Um, and so, and one thing that I've been doing lately is trying to get more comfortable or trying to hone my drawing skills a little more. Cause I mean, I've, I've always had some, you know, some experience doing, um, landscape design drawings, but my instinct was always just like, Oh, let's just pick up a shovel. Let's just do it. You know, let's just, let's just, let's just go like, you know, and I would kind of sketch and stuff like that. But as far as like communicating a vision to the clients, um, 
in a way that they could really see it. Cause even if I would give them a plan view diagram, planting diagram, you know, kind of a bird's eye view of schema of what plants are going to go where, like they couldn't really envision it mm-hmm. still a lot of people. Cause it's you look at like a blueprint and it's like, what is this? And so I was like, I want to be able to kind of do more rendering kind of stuff. So I'm working on that right now. And that's kind of like my current goal is to get to a point where I'm doing more of that, more drawing and rendering and um, coming up with visions that someone else can implement. Okay. I'm kind of tired of doing the, doing the implementation labor myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still like it. I just, it's just, it's been so rough the last couple of years with the, with the weather, with the freeze and the drought and stuff like that. And I'm getting older and yeah. It's time for a change. So are you the only person on your team or do you have anybody else that's helping you out? Like I have, other crew? I have a helper whose name is Holly. She is okay. um, my uh, right hand lady. And um, yeah, she, she's amazing. And I uh, would not be able to do what I do without her. She's great. Um, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's pretty cool that you basically took on all of that yourself instead of i mean that's to me that seems very intimidating like hey i'm just gonna go and basically be a professional gardener for a bunch of different clients um and 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 with you know the a minimal a more minimal background i guess than colleen comparatively but it seems like you have really transformed what you've done into something you know a bigger version a bigger vision of um what you initially planned. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I had Colleen as a mentor the whole time. Yeah. You now to help me, you know, figure out a lot of these uh, gardening questions and quandaries and learning the plants and stuff like that. So I, I knew that like there was a way to do this where like you spend, you know, you put in your, your, years your years or whatever in the garden doing the like maintenance stuff. And then you can really, carry that forth into some other kind of education or design role, mm-hmm. you know, that right. isn't, isn't quite as physical. Right. Right. And I guess Colleen on your end um, is, and I think you have a, a, dif- a different kind of setup. You have a more of a other people helping you out to do these installations. Is that correct? I don't do any installations. You don't do any installations. No. Oh, you only do design. Pretty much. Okay. Really what I, the focus of what I do is advice. I mean, okay. I show up at someone's house, you know, they have their list of questions, problems that they're having in their yard. And we go down that list of questions and answer all the questions. Okay. And then if they need a design, I do offer certain design services, which I am, uh, currently in the process of kind of revamping because I don't like the way my designs are being delivered the way that I'm delivering the designs right now. I'm not really enjoying that work and the price points are not great. And um, Leah and I have been working together to figure out if there's a way that we can offer designs to my customers somehow um, in the face of uh growing possible maybe growing competition from online design services uh we've had I've had a couple of customers lately two or three customers who hired some of the online design companies and then 
felt like the design they got was not great. And okay. then they hired me to kind of critique that design, <laughs> which has been interesting, but it's got me kind of thinking of like, huh, I'd, there's got to be a better way to deliver design than the way that I, I have been maybe um, in the past. So I do have so I do offer design services. It's just in flux right now. Okay. Um, and then I refer the customers to installers. Okay. Okay. If they're not going to install themselves, but the vast majority of my customers are doing their own. Okay. They work. just need they're, the help to mm-hmm. figure out what they want or mm-hmm. should have there. Yeah. A lot of people, it's like, you know, this is the third plant that I've planted in this spot and it just keeps dying. You know, they all keep dying and stuff like that. Like, what am I doing wrong? You know, those kind of, those kind of questions, you know, or we need privacy from the neighbors. What can we plant to create privacy from the neighbors and stuff like that? You mean, just really common questions. Right. So, on your designs and maybe Leah too, do you guys have, do you tailor them to each house or do you already have kind of, I don't know, a set of five standardish designs for, you know, the Austin (laughs) area that you can pick and choose? (laughs) So, yes, I tailor them to each house because each house is so different and the, what the customers need is so different. And that's part of the challenge for me is that I feel like I'm, you know, totally starting the whole process over every time I start a new design. And when you're starting from scratch like that, every time it causes the price to go up, Yeah, you know, so it's a custom design to really deliver something to a customer where I feel like, oh, this is really, really going to be the right thing for them. But, um, right now that's where I'm struggling, trying to strike the balance between, you know, uh, the cliche of like reinventing the wheel every single time and also building in systems to create efficiencies in my business so that I can keep the costs low for the customer. And that's where I'm really, uh, working. I'm really trying to work on that this winter to try to figure that out because it's so important to me. It's, it's like, you know, you can't say, okay, the person who some of my customers are master gardeners, you know, they're people who are taking gardening classes all the time. and All they want to do is garden all the time and they don't travel and they're retired they have tons of time. And so the design that I'm going to make for that person is going to be totally different from the design that I make for their next door neighbor who are like, you know, maybe it's two busy professionals who have dogs and don't really like gardening that much, but will kind of do their gardening chores if they have to. Right. You know what I mean? And so I just can't, I can't like in good conscience deliver the same product to those two customers you know, but at the same time, I need to figure out how to make it a service that I can deliver efficiently so that I can keep the costs low for them to make it affordable for most people. And so by efficiently, you just mean time wise or yeah, like time wise and like, there's so much that goes into a design, whether it's, uh, you know, design on paper, like Leah and I both have struggled trying to figure out 
most efficient way to make an accurate base map for a landscape design. And I know that this is something that tons of other designers struggle with mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, well, I can come and I can measure the yard and I can measure all the trees. It's super time consuming yeah. to measure a yard yourself and to try to measure existing trees. And you can use title surveys, but they're often yeah. not <laughs> to scale yeah. Yeah. and missing structures. And so just getting a survey done, if I, for a while I was hiring surveyors wow. to do my base maps for me, but it's very expensive. Yeah. And right there, that's already a major cost, you know? So we're working on that kind of thing, trying to figure out better solutions um, and figuring out exactly what information the customers really, really need. Uh, and maybe starting to do some designs in a less conventional way to help deliver the information that people really need without getting so bogged down. Cause I don't want to spend a whole day measuring a yard. That's yeah, not yeah. what I want to do for my career either. Like I'm not a professional measurer, you know, <laughs> but to hire the surveyors who are professional measurers is really expensive, you know? So what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Leah. Yeah, totally. Echoing everything Colleen said, I have to re I do reinvent the wheel every time. But there's certain things, I guess there's certain things, you know, well, because I guess a lot of it's problem solving, right? It's just like, you know, we've got erosion, we've got, like Colleen said, privacy, we need screening, you know, we need pollinator plants, you know, whatever, we have chickens, like whatever people want to do and, and then helping them figure out what's reasonable and what's realistic from their wish list and what might be, uh, a little unrealistic, you know, like they want to mm-hmm. cut flower garden in a shady area, you know, it's like probably not going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like, you know, the problem solving aspect is very much tailored to everybody. Um, but then I guess there are certain kind of elements that I tend to use over and over again. Like I really like a dry Creek, uh, as far as like an erosion control or rainwater stormwater runoff kind of mm-hmm. mitigation thing. And then I also, uh, really like having a mix of, uh, you know, plants that have different dormancies, um, you know, kind of having them be having plants with opposite dormancies, you know, in the same place so that there's always something kind of going on. Mm-hmm. Um, little, little things like that. I would kind of come back up and again and again for me, but for the most part, yeah, I kind of, I do it over again. And right now I'm, I'm taking this class in a, uh, a digital drawing software called procreate, mm-hmm. which you use in the iPad with the I- Apple pencil. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm having like a super fun time with it and feeling really excited about it. And I, I just started it at the beginning of the month. Um, but I think I'm hoping that it's going to be a good tool for me to do those renderings, especially because you can like draw on photographs and you can make, actually make them look pretty good using mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. software. And so I'm just, I'm just still learning it. And, um, but you can also do like plan view um, drawings in this, in this program as well too. So it's kind of like, I've never used CAD or SketchUp or any of the, the, the softwares. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a high, this is kind of like drawing on paper with some of the like 
nice functionality of digital um, design. Yeah. But it's, was, it's, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask what you guys were drawing if it was CAD or something else. I didn't even think about Procreate being an option. And that sounds definitely much more creative than CAD. <laughs> yeah. There's a class. Okay. There's this woman named Amy Fideli, and her website is prettypurpledoor.com. And she teaches a class, Procreate for Landscape Designers. And it's like really cool. Hmm but it's pretty in depth and it's, I think she teaches it like twice a year. It's online. Okay. So if anyone wants to check her out, it's, it's a really good class. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Colleen, is that what you're using procreate or do you use CAD or? No, I do. If I do any drawing, it's all by hand. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm doing old it old fashioned. And part of that is because I think it helps me with the creative process a little bit more. I just find using the computer to be very uninspiring. Yeah. And on the other hand, again, I'm running up against these problems of like everything being really expensive because it's so time consuming for me to draw all those little symbols and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm gonna reevaluate that, but, uh, I really enjoy drawing on paper. And while I'm using that kind of those kind of skills of like creating the images on paper, I'll get more ideas for what plants could work in a certain area or for, you know, a water feature or something like that. I'll feel inspired by the media um, and the tactile approach of drawing by hand, but uh, but it has some major disadvantages. Yeah. Too. Right. Yeah. So. It takes forever. Yeah. It takes forever. <laughs> and I just like, just today I was wrapping up what probably will be the last huge drawing I ever do. And I realized I made a huge mistake on it. Like <sighs> I took it and I took it to the printer and got it um, printed and everything. I got it back from the printer today. And then I was looking at it and I was like, there's a huge mistake on this oh, and I don't have, I don't have an efficient way to make the change. Yeah. So was we'll like see. A, was it like a scale mistake or like something no. missing or I it's, I'm missing some stairs. Oh, there no. needs to be stairs. Oh no. Yeah. So, but it's the kind of thing where I can take, I think I can take the scan that I got from the printer uh, from the printing service. And I think I can use like, uh, you know, just a PDF mm-hmm. and mark it, mark up the PDF to make yeah. the change electronically and then print off the, like, print off the electronic copies for the homeowners later, but I'm meeting with them tomorrow. So it's like, Oh no, <laughs> too late. I'm just yeah. gonna have to tell them like, there's <laughs> supposed to be stairs right here, you know? So that, that's frustrating to me. And that's the, that's the reason why I'm going to take a little break from design and see if I can figure out a better way to, de- to deliver designs to people. Yeah. So, okay. I have like three more questions. I, I, another okay. one just popped in my head. So okay. the first, first one is, okay. So you're taking a break from design. So that means you'd be more focused on coaching. Yes. Um, so like if you go to someone's house, how long are you there for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, two hours. Okay. That's your, okay. Mm-hmm. They pay you for two hours and then you write, you write a reporter. You're verbally telling them things. At that I'm time. verbally telling them things. 
if it's a really difficult, and I ask them to take their own notes or to record the conversations. And some people do both Okay. because I used to write reports and they were not very helpful. Okay. And it was extremely time consuming for me. Yeah. If it's a really difficult case with a lot of confusion, like I had one the other day, it was really bad. I will send them a little follow-up email of like highlights. Yeah. Step one, step two, step three. Um, but otherwise it's so obtuse. These kinds of projects where people are so, you know, fuzzy around the edges that it's up to the homeowners a lot of times to decide like, what's, where are you going to start? You know? And they, a lot of people sometimes will ask me like, where do you think I should start? And I will tell them, um, but their priorities could change like the next day. Yeah. You know, there's so many moving parts to these kinds of these kinds of projects. So I try to empower the homeowners as much as possible um, for them to be able to have the information that they need to move forward with their projects, with them steering the project. Okay. So I found that when I was writing reports, like nobody was reading them. They're really obtuse, you know, and like, I could spend like 15 minutes trying to describe like what I think this person should do in this one corner of their yard. But like in the end, uh, they might not end up getting to that corner of their yard for like five years. Right. You know, and then they don't even remember what I was talking about in the report, you <laughs> right. know, yeah, so the light's totally different. And it's yeah. like, trees have yeah, grown and, it's, yeah. So just, it's really more efficient for the customers to like be in charge and I let them lead me and I fill in the blanks with the information that they need. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, so do you guys think, or have you seen a change an increase in, you know, services like what both of y'all provide as, is there more people using it or is it still kind of about the same or decreasing? I think that the, there's a ton of people or there's a lot of people that start businesses doing what Colleen and I do, but it's pretty hard to maintain it over the long haul to be self-employed that way. Um, and a lot of people get over extended in the beginning, you know, I think, I mean, maybe Colleen could talk to this a little bit more, but so I would say like, there's more competition and there's more demand all the time. There's both more. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. a lot of work. Okay. You know? So there's, so. there's always somebody seeking your service. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This industry is, there's nothing but growth in this industry. Like in Austin, there's so much demand for every little niche. I think, uh, And for coaching, when I, for consulting and coaching, what I do, I think there's huge demand once people discover that that's even a service. Yeah. So that's my challenge is, you know, letting people know that this is a thing like, yes, I could come and help give you advice. Like I can fill in the information gaps for you. Um, once people find out about that, they're like, oh my God, that's exactly what I need. 
but people don't realize that that's a service that exists. Right. So um, that's what I try to do is like tell my customers, like, please tell your friends, please tell your neighbors and explain what I did for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I get most, I get a lot of customers that way, but in terms of people offering services in this industry, and there's not very many other people who offer coaching in Austin. I think there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah. And like Leah said, it is hard. It, this is an industry that's like easy to start out in, but it is hard to sustain over time. Yeah. Um, staying in this industry is hard to sustain long-term. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is a little bit probably more for the horticulture Austin living conversation, but I think it's at the same time. So it's increase in use of your services or other people similar to you. Um, is Austin, is, is it becoming more, are there more gardens in landscapes at, at home garden? Are there more gardens instead of lawns in, in subdivisions is what I'm trying to get at here is, or is it still, there's still quite a bit of lawns. I mean, you know, I go to Austin a couple of times a year, but I'm not exactly driving through, you know, you know, Austin, East Austin neighborhoods or anything like that. But yeah. What are you guys seeing? Is there a trend for more, for more nature instead of just grass? I have two things to say about that. I have two things to say. One is, right back, guys. um, I think I have three things to say, actually. One is I heard through the grapevine that there's a possibility that city council in Austin might pass some kind of ordinance requiring new builds to have less than 50% lawn. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. And the other 50% has to be plantings. Okay. Um. Uh, that I heard it like this was like third hand. So I haven't heard it from like, a tr- I heard yeah. it from friends who yeah. are like, check this out, you know? Okay. So that is interesting. Number one, number two, um, I think Leah will agree that there's such a demand for better landscaping because the landscaping that the builders put in for people is so bad. bad. Yeah. Um, and then whether it's in a suburban subdivision, you know, outside of Austin or it's a hip, you know, condo kind of situation downtown with like contemporary architecture and stuff like that. Like those landscapes that come along with that style of architecture are awful. Yeah. Um, they look really good for like one, three months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they, they're awful. They're and so people are trying to undo what was done incorrectly in the first place. And I think that's what I run across most often. And then also my customers care about ecology. They care about climate change. They care about their own quality of life. And they are coming to me and saying like, I want plants for pollinators. I want fruit trees. I want to grow some of my own food just runs the gamut. You know, it's not 
it, these days, I feel like for the last couple of years, it's not just people coming to me and saying like, I need it to be pretty, pretty. Yeah. Or I, I just need it to be like controlled. Right. You know, it's like, you know, while we're at it, can we do something for bees? Can we do, can we, you know, get some of our own food out of, out of it? Can we, you know, right. uh, care about the planet and yeah. our environment? So, yeah. What do you think, Leah? Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. over as host. No, you're not. <laughs> I, I, I ducked out for a second. Um, yeah. I, I think that I, pretty much everybody that gets in touch with me, you know, they all say they want native plants, you know, and they want pollinator plants, you know, they're concerned about bees, like Colleen said. Um, so I feel like that's been a really successful, um, it's just successful messaging. I think over the you know past several decades, just that people are aware of, of, of native plants and they're aware of the importance of, of pollinators in the garden. And, um, yeah, those are, that's great. I think. Yeah. 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 No, it's just something I've been thinking a lot about um, this, you know, how we all are pushing native, not native plants, but not just that, but just less lawn. So, you know, that, that could just mean whatever plants in the, in a garden situation. And I feel like that's well and good, but I don't know how well it's actually being catching on and being implemented. Cause I, I mean, there might be some neighborhoods around Houston where, it's like what's happening with y'all in Austin, but I don't feel like that's catching on at all nearly the same here or in Fort Worth or in Dallas, maybe a little bit more in, in Dallas, but um, it definitely feels like Austin has this little niche going and is taking on some of that, but it's really, you know, floundering here in other areas. And mm-hmm. I've just, I've just wondered how realistic all of this really is but if if people are slowly grasping onto that then i guess that that's a good thing it just the curve to where we need to be is a lot longer than (laughs) what we want it to be well i wonder number one the lady bird johnson wildflower center is here in austin and that's a huge influence in the community here and you know this is kind of the hub for native plants Mm-hmm. native plant research and there's so much awareness because of the wildflower center in our community community that makes consumers ask for yeah. native plants you yeah. know but the other thing is it's really hard to grow turf grass here yeah i was gonna yeah. say yeah. yeah if we got and the amount of rainfall that houston, that houston gets i think people there will be a lot more lawns here yeah yeah but it's just quite a bit drier here yeah it's still not the <laughs> yeah. desert so it's like <laughs> It's complicated. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that right. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, because it combines the practical need of like, oh crap, all my grass died in the drought over the summer. And I, cause I just didn't, the irrigation what? broke or yeah. whatever happened. It combines that with the ethos, the philosophical ethos of like all the benefits of native plants that support the local ecology and sequester carbon and don't require carbon inputs and don't require as much water, et cetera. And yeah, I kind of wonder if in Houston, it's just, 
I don't know. Cause I've never gardened in Houston. Yeah. Do you feel like <laughs> misty, like it's easier to grow turf grass in Houston. Uh, yeah, for sure. We get, mm-hmm. except for, you know, the drought this summer when people are asking, mm-hmm. should I water my lawn? Um, yeah. for, and you know, I, we don't water our lawn unless we're watering the trees around it when it's so dry, mm-hmm. but, um, it, it doesn't take much to keep the lawn alive for here for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely, I didn't, I didn't think about that aspect of it. Um, but yeah. And the ladybird wildflower center, that definitely helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it does seem like having more, you know, more space devoted to native plants and less space devoted to turf grass would help Houston a lot in terms of oh, yeah. water infiltration and of stuff course. like that, you know? And so, I mean, that's gotta be coming, you know, because it's just like, it's the only way to fix this stuff you know well unfortunately we keep yeah. building on the Katy prairie so we're gonna be flooding anyway <laughs> um yeah yeah i mean this houston has just such i mean austin sees it too just crazy growth and mm-hmm. no protections at all and yeah it's a problem you know everywhere in the state honestly yeah uh, but yeah, no, I would love to see more native plantings, more less lawn, just even if it was just a few more native bushes around there instead of an Andina or, you know, Isla's Cornuda yeah. or something like that. So that would be great, but definitely not seeing it. And I really, honestly, I don't know of anybody doing any kind of real garden coaching other than edible garden kind of coaching over I here. I mean, I have had people from Dallas email me. And said, like, can you help me? I don't know if there's anyone in Dallas that does Oh, wow. And me being like, yeah, I could do an email consultation with you if you send me some photos, you know? I don't know if I could do it for Houston because Houston is so ecologically different from Austin. Dallas is pretty similar Mm -hmm. soil and climate, but Houston is so different. I'm not sure that I would feel super duper qualified, but yeah, um, yeah. It's definitely like there are definitely, there's definitely a market <laughs> and a need for what I do. And I definitely am feeling it. Yeah. And I hope, I know that Houston has a really strong native plant society chapter. Yeah. And I, I know that there's been projects like Buffalo Bayou and stuff like that, that have incorporated native plants. And I hope that more of that continues in Houston and they start to see, you know, more impact of like Leah was saying, like stormwater runoff retention. I think it's I think that's going to be a major problem for Houston. It's slowly coming around. I see. And yeah, you're right. There are a couple of good chapters and I actually, I've never been a member of the native plant society until a few weeks ago. Um, so I finally oh. joined and they just made a chapter cool. for Montgomery County. So I was like, yes, closer Yay. one for me. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm excited about that. But yeah, there are a couple of very active chapters and I know there's, there's work being done in Houston, but I just don't think it's, people aren't nearly as aware of their surroundings and the environment as they are in Austin. Mm-hmm. Austin tends to attract people who love the outdoors too anyway. And like, I've known people who've moved from West Texas, moved to Austin because they wanted to be around trees. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I think there's something there. So there's people, I know there's people moving here who don't take 
the environment for granted because they have lived in places that are less green. Yeah. Right. You know, so there's, they have this sort of experience of contrast in their life. Right. Right. Mm. But then we also get a lot of people coming from, from the East coast and from, from the West coast. And they're all like, what's going on? <laughs> Why is it so hard to grow things <laughs> Why here? is it so hard to grow things? Yeah. And like my next door neighbor, my one next door neighbor, she moved from New York city and she always lived in apartments and stuff. And she was like, this is the first time I've ever had a yard. And she was really excited about it, which is a cool, that's a neat, like fun energy to get injected into my life because and um, most of the time my customers are like near tears because their yards are driving them crazy, <laughs> you know, but so it's nice when I do get like first time homeowners who are like excited to have a yard for the first time and stuff. That's really neat. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I want to transition a little bit off of your businesses towards back to the podcast. Um, mm. So, I mean, it really, so originally re- originated with Leah in the hothouse podcast, Leah. So how did you decide to even start that? And I guess transition to uh, horticulturati with Colleen. Okay. Yeah, I was, so, you know, I was writing before I was doing the, the gardening and landscaping thing. And then after a few years of being like, I'm not writing anymore. I kind of wanted to come up with a new kind of creative project that kind of felt like writing a little bit, but wasn't writing. And so that I, you know, and I've always been a big podcast listener, um, forever. So, um, I think like the first podcast I really do, I remember the Ricky Gervais show podcast, which came out in like 2005 or whatever. Oh, wow. That was like yeah. the first podcast I listened yeah. to and I've always been in a podcast. And so I was just like, why well, it'd be so fun to start a podcast. And so I started, I found a podcasting studio, um, that was like just starting up. It was like a really kind of lo-fi small operation. And, um, uh, there was like an Austin podcasters group and met, that met them through that. And, um, yeah, so, so then I started like going to the studio and recording and I had a little bit of a background in, um, video editing from my distant past. And so I had kind of a basic knowledge of like how to edit digitally. And so, um, I kind of figured out how the editing worked and I I always thought, well, okay, I'm never going to like buy microphones and mixers. I'm not going to buy that stuff. Cause like, that's just not, I'm not into that. And so I was doing stuff at the, at the podcast recording studio for a long time. And then that's when Colleen and I started the podcast, but then when COVID happened, then I suddenly had to get very, uh, savvy with, with yeah. the tech side of it because, cause the podcast, we can go to the podcasting studio. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but so as far as like how I went from hothouse to the horticulturati, um, it was just, I got really burned out doing hothouse by myself. It was a little bit too much for one person. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of, a lot of editing and, um, scheduling interviews and stuff like that. And I, I don't know, I was just trying to make it more like a NPR style. Podcast. It was, it, it was, was, and it you was put like, a lot of effort into it. It, it was, it's, yeah. it was just way too much. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I was like, this is not fun anymore. And so I wanted to do something that would be more fun and more chatty. Cause like, actually, you know, like over time, like the podcasts that I start, that I listen to, 
are more like mm-hmm. Colleen and I like shooting the breeze yeah, rather yeah. than the more like kind of NPR kind of very highly produced Hypothetic, kinds yeah. of podcasts. Yeah. Like I just kind of want to like feel like I'm hanging out with my friends, you know, when I listen to mm-hmm. a podcast. So, so I kind of wanted to do something more like that. And I knew that Colleen was really good at extemporaneous speaking and had a ton <laughs> of knowledge about gardening. And so I was like, she's the one uh, to do this with. And so, you know, like I said, we already had all those lunches and stuff where we were just like, man, I wonder if anyone else would be interested in it. Hear us talk. Why don't we just do this? And um, yeah. And it's been a fun collaboration. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate, I love both podcasts, obviously. Um, and I really liked, I mean, I liked the hot house because it was so what produced well. Um, and it was just like, wow, this is like all the, I was impressed by how much work you put into it. And Mm -hmm. I know how much work just doing a regular podcast Mm -hmm. does. Um, and just like you asked interest, you, you, both of y'all asked such interesting questions and hit on topics that the gardening world just really tends Mm -hmm. to ignore. Yes. And that's what I appreciate. And it's still like, I still don't feel like you guys get the appreciation you deserve or the audience you deserve. Mm. And, you know, I listen to other garden podcasts and I'm just like, this is great, but I really don't want to care here about roses. (laughs) You know, I don't care about this. I want to know about like, I want to hear the substance and you guys are producing the substance. I mean, I really appreciate that compliment. That's like really incredible compliment that I'm just going to let it soak in for a second. And it did, it came from us at lunch being like, Oh, griping. Not, yeah. I mean, we would complain about it. Like there's not, griping about stuff. I'm so tired of hearing about the same, Hey, have you tried this gardening podcast? No. Yeah. I don't know. And there's, we just got so tired of hearing the same topics over and over again and just felt like, um, and I heard it from other professionals too, even like saying like, what kind of, you know, I've been a professional gardener for 10 years and there's still a lot of things that I want to learn, but there's no like classes for me to take or like, where do I go from here? That's Mm -hmm. not, that's not learning about, chemical fertilizers or, um, you know, really conventional landscaping design methods and stuff like that. Like what, what can we do? And, uh, and yeah, Leah and I just complained about it so much that finally it was like, we should do our own thing. And I, and I guess I wanted to weigh in, um, uh, jump in on that. As far as like, when I said we were griping, I felt like we were also during our lunches, we were griping a lot about like trends in mm-hmm. culture and trends in design and um things that customers said you know and it was kind of <laughs> like we had a lot of kind of gossip just to, to kind of like talk about you know and mm-hmm. so like yeah and I felt like that was part of what would be interesting to people is just kind of like well you know what really like you know gets my goat is <laughs> too much gravel you know or whatever right so like it's 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 fun to be able to kind of um complain about things and Mm -hmm. uh sometimes Mm -hmm. we celebrate things occasionally but we also like to um I like to celebrate complaining 
Yeah. <laughs> let's celebrate. Let's celebrate our complaints. <laughs> well, you know, other people have the same complaints. They're just not talking about it. Yeah. Or they haven't found out yet, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. I think because we both have maintenance backgrounds, because I always tell people before I was a consultant, I did personal gardening where I was maintaining landscapes and I would see every different type of design and huge different variety of plant palettes from all of my customers who needed maintenance and Leah was doing maintenance and so we would just see like, okay, yeah, this design looks good on paper and looks good right after it's planted. But then three months, a year, two years later, it looks horrible. And so I think we had that in common and felt like we needed an outlet uh, to tell our like cautionary tales to other people. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And like an example of that would be like overplanting or underplanting, you know, where people mm -hmm. put well, at the time of installation, put way too many plants in a little space. And then mm -hmm. four years later, it's a jungle <laughs> or people not putting enough plants in a space and it just becomes a weedy mess and stuff like that. And it's like, mm -hmm. those are just kind of the, I don't know how you, how you learn that stuff unless you are gardening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know how you learn to be a designer unless you're a gardener first, you yeah, because mm -hmm. you have to know what the plants are going to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm guessing there are a lot of designers that aren't gardeners, or yeah, or just don't have um, extensive. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think I think a lot of them garden to some extent, but I don't know how much um, a lot of people have spent um, time doing a lot of digging holes and you know okay. planting things. Mm -hmm. Okay maintaining and, things over right. a long time. And I don't know. Seeing, what do you think? Colleen? Yeah. Oh, well, I think the vast majority, uh, I think the industry is so siloed where it is all different people. It's, there's very few you have people main, who, maintenance and, yeah. Yeah, who yeah. do design installation and maintenance. And, um, I think it's really common for people to come in and do installation. And that's, I think that's the industry standard is come in and do installation and then leave and uh, not have any idea of how, how the landscape changes over any period of time. Mm -hmm. Right. And you hire like a very high skilled person to do the design and then you hire mm -hmm. a medium skilled person to do the installation. The, uh -huh. And then you hire a very low skilled group of people to do the maintenance. And the problem with that is that a lot of that expertise that the first person had is not evenly spread around. And so then you get, you know, um, all kinds of problems if, you know, if the people that are maintaining it aren't clued into everything they need to know, yeah. you know, then, then the original design doesn't get carried through as well as it could. I think mm -hmm. that's a really good point, Leah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, but I don't want to do all three anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's even within companies that offer all three of those services, it's different people doing the yeah. services and there are very different standards. And I've had tons of customers say like, Oh, I, I hired a design build maintenance co company and boy, they did a great job with the design, 
they did an okay job with the installation and then the maintenance was just awful. I mean, that's, I see that. I saw that all the time. And I saw that when I was a personal gardener, people would fire the original company who was doing the maintenance and hire me to do the maintenance, you know, because they were so dissatisfied with the maintenance. And so, yeah, it's definitely a problem. So anyway, that's, yeah, yeah, you know, that, that's where that, we're, that's the angle we're coming from in the, on the podcast is like sharing our experiences and then also wanting to learn about new things that we wouldn't be able to learn about otherwise and like giving ourselves a time to like read about topics that are interesting to us and and then sharing them with people so do you guys both come up with the topics or and kind of take the lead each time okay. yeah it's yeah. pretty it's yeah. pretty evenly split we kind of just trade off i think yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i guess how much uh planning and time goes into into the podcast i mean i have an idea but maybe just for the listeners to have uh, an idea of what goes into putting a podcast episode together yeah i guess it depends on the the episode sometimes we do a lot of preparation and sometimes we kind of wing it um mm-hmm. yeah what do you think colleen i uh get the martini shaker out <laughs> shake it up Leah comes over and I talk and she records it and does all of the work. So I really uh, have no idea how much time goes into it because Leah does everything. <laughs> but that's not true, Colleen. You, you research. <laughs> I do. I do some research. Yeah. It depends on the topic, you know, and some are easier than others, but, and depends on the time of year and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so it varies, you know, sometimes it's like two hours of reading. Sometimes I'll spend like tons of more, way more time than that. And other times it's like, I'm going to, you already kind of know, know enough about it. You can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It varies a lot. Do you have any favorite episodes that y'all have produced? Ones you've enjoyed doing Mm. or all of them are enjoyable? Um, I thought the one about spooky evil plants was fun. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just have that on my brain because uh it's Halloween. Yeah. That was a good one. I was gonna say the fertilizer episode. I liked that one. Oh, oh good. yeah, the yeah, one like nitrate episode. Too. Yeah, I do too. I uh really like the ones about landscape design that we yeah. did because they're su- they're the most surprising because they were maybe the most extemporaneous and the longest. And I was like, oh God, nobody's going to listen popular. to this. They ended up being the most popular, like the yeah. most downloaded. And I was so surprised. I was like, nobody's going to want to listen to me, like rattle on for two hours about this. That's crazy. <laughs> and no, people were into it. So that was pretty exciting interesting and kind of exciting for me yeah do you guys what do you do you guys see yourself doing this for several more years yeah i think we were we're in conclusion that last question i know yeah yeah i think we'll keep doing it until it's not fun anymore you know because that's really the main reason why we're doing it is because it's fun yeah yeah it's not um the audience isn't enormous um Mm. but uh we do have fun doing it and so 
we'll keep keep going for a while and who knows maybe maybe people will hear it about it on your show yeah Yeah. Yeah. i don't have the the hugest audience either but i do Mm -hmm. think that there are some people who don't listen to yours that listen to mine that i hope Mm -hmm. that they will now listen to yours because thanks but that's the beautiful thing about podcasts is they're so niche you know they're so narrow and they can really be super duper niche and Mm -hmm. yeah that's nice yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. To kind of wrap things up a little bit, I've been talking to you guys a little bit about living in Austin and gardening in Austin. Um, You know, we've talked a little bit about it with your designs and uh, a little bit about it with some of the plants. But, you know, what are your gardens like and do you have any favorite gardens in Austin that you enjoy seeing, you know, outside of outside of maybe the Ladybird Flower Center? Because I think everybody knows about that. But is there anything you'd like to share about just like gardening and living in Austin? Yeah, I'll go. Um, I don't really have uh, much of a garden right now. Um, I don't have any ground to plant in. I live in a condo. And so I have all container uh, spaces mostly outside. And I do have some house plants and stuff like that. Um, but my whole container gardening world really shrunk a lot this summer when I decided to stop watering <laughs> my plants because I just didn't want to, because it was so hot every day. And, um, you know, I just kind of said, well, okay, we're going to experiment and I'm just going to take the plants that I really want to keep and put them all in one place and water them. And then all the other plants just you're on your own, you know, see what happens, you know, see what happens when you don't water a beauty berry in a pot for like four months and it's Mm. still alive. Yeah. Um, so it's like, that's good to know. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, my favorite garden in Austin is Mayfield park, um, which is on 35th street and uh near camp mabry um and it's an old um like estate little house there and it's very like southern gothic and it's got a lot of palm trees and it's got peacocks oh wow okay um water uh like ponds and then little individual um volunteer gardens um throughout and it's just so it's just a really cool place and i um, have been going there a lot all of my life. So I, I love, that's my favorite garden in Austin. My own garden is going through some transitions right now. I'm trying some new things and for the front yard, doing an experiment where I'm planting the entire thing with, uh, native and well-adapted perennials and, um, mowing them. Okay. Uh, to try to make a really straightforward maintenance landscape because of the problems we were talking about earlier with mm-hmm. like the, the trouble with the ongoing, like long-term maintenance of these kinds of gardens and trying to simplify the maintenance. So, um, that's what I'm doing in the front yard because my backyard is where I'm going to have herbs and vegetables and fruit trees and like roses and all this higher, like higher maintenance stuff back there. And I want the front yard to just be very, like a lot more straightforward and just needing, um, very simple maintenance. So the backyard got destroyed this summer 
a lot of the backyard got destroyed this summer by the combination of drought and armadillos. So um, I'm taking a break yeah. <laughs> from gardening <laughs> in my own yard right now. And, um, anyway, so that's what's going on with my yard. And then my favorite garden in Austin. Um, I probably have to say the wildflower center since we're talking about it. Actually, it might be natural gardener. Yeah. You're yeah. also talking about natural gardener yeah. too, and their demonstration gardens, but that was it. That was it. It was, it the, was butterf- the butterfly garden specifically mm. at natural gardener is so fun yeah. and lovely. And, um, it's just a delightful place to be in there and very inspired and I don't know. It's not, it's a good example of a, like, I know natural gardener has an army of gardeners like Leah was Mm -hmm. caring for the grounds, but the butterfly garden, uh, at least from my perspective, seems like one of the lower maintenance portions of the, uh, landscape at natural gardener. And, um, Hmm. the amount, is that true, Leah? (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's that's totally true I never thought about it that's true the the uh you know the amount of work that goes into that garden versus like the amount of joy that is produced by that garden it's just like it's a really good payoff I think because people are always like kind of dumbfounded by how beautiful it is and how many butterflies there are in there and it's it's a really inspiring space. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't need plants, it's a good place to go <laughs> just to walk around oh, yeah. and get inspiration and say, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I would like to do this. Or, oh yeah, yeah. I can grow this. Good luck not buying something. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> <okay>. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's my favorite. Yeah. Um. Well, between both of y'all's extensive experience, is there anything you would like Texas gardeners to know about gardening from all of that experience? Like, what would you tell someone getting into redesigning their, their home landscape? Mm. Trees are important. And trees are the most valuable part of the landscape, you know? And so I, I think a lot of times people are they've got their eyes on the ground, you know, and they're like, Oh, there's something wrong with my lawn or there's something wrong with these beds or whatever. But it's like, they're not looking up and seeing the trees and the trees are what we need to really design around and design for and, um, protect, you know? So I would just say just more of a, a reverence for trees and, and, and concern for trees is what, um, I would hope that people would have. And I, I know Colleen, um, would not argue with that not at all yeah I can I want to I'll expand on that even a little bit more and say that you know um gardening is one of the most important things that anyone could be doing right now uh if you're if you're a steward of any plot of land whether it's plot of land that you own or a community plot um that the impact that gardening has on climate change, on uh, the health of yourself and your neighbors, uh, 
um, preserving rare plants, your local plants that, uh, you know, don't grow anywhere else. Um, it's just this myriad of benefits. And it's, I think it's the most empowering way for people to feel like they're having any kind of positive impact in the world. And um, I think aside from voting uh, or maybe being a teacher, an educator, um, I think there's very few things that you could do that have a, a stronger impact on the world than gardening organically, gardening with native plants, caring for trees, especially planting trees. So, yeah. I don't think people think about the impact that they're having sometimes when they're just out there because they think because they're they want their yard to look nicer because they're having a good time or something. You know, yeah. there's a whole political aspect to it that I think is important for people to acknowledge. That was a good answer. <laughs> Very okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it was perfect. It was a perfect answer. And it, it goes it goes in line with a lot of what I've been thinking about. Um, back to what I was thinking about people planting out, getting rid of their lawns and, and thinking mm -hmm. about that as being actually something that's actually going to work. Can we actually change mm -hmm. perceptions? And uh, yeah, if we just got people to plant a tree that's in their yard, that's going to benefit uh, the insects um, around them and produce some shade. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the yeah. trees, the trees are the best value. I mean, planting a tree is so, you know, from a perspective of a gardener, like planting a tree is a pretty big task. You know, you got to dig a pretty big hole. You're dealing with like a pretty large plant, whether, you know, you can also just plant an acorn and put a little flag in the spot where the acorn is that you planted or let some seedlings come up that the squirrels planted too. Like it doesn't have to be a big deal to plant a tree, you know, but in terms of the impact that that bit of input that you have as a gardener, the impact is just exponentially so huge you know, for, especially if you plant an oak tree, mm. that's going to outlive you. That's going to outlive your children, the next generation, you know, and all of the oxygen that that tree is going to produce all of the carbon that that tree is going to sequester all of the shade that that's going to provide the, uh, cooling evapotranspiration effect around it, cooling the air uh, acting as a windbreak in the winter to protect your home from cold wind. I mean, <laughs> on and on and on the amount of services that they provide. I mean, it's just such a high value for like such a small amount of input, you know? So anyway, yeah. It's a lot of ecosystem services provided yes. by the trees. On and on and on of what trees can do for us. And that's, that's like, of anything that gardeners can do. I think the planting the trees is like the best value, the most impactful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on the podcast. If you want to maybe just close out with where people can find uh, Horticulturati. And I know each of you have your own social media accounts and websites. If you want to just toot your own horns a little bit. Okay. 
Yeah, sure. So, um, the horticulturati has a Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash horticulturati. And I know it's kind of a mouthful, but, um, maybe Misty can put the link in there. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have all the show notes. Um, and, um, I am on Instagram at Delta Dawn Gardens, D-E-L-T-A-D-A-W-N. And I also have a website, deltadoggardens.com. All right, Colleen. And thank you so much for having us, Misty. And uh, you can find the Horticulturati podcast on all podcast platforms. Check us out. And, um, my website for my business is atxgardens.com. That's ATX as in Austin, Texas gardens with an S at the end. And then you can learn about seed saving and at, uh, sentexseedsavers.org. And that's it. You know, I didn't even ask you about that. I may have to have you Mm. on just to talk about that separately. Okay. (laughs) Sound good? (laughs) Sounds good. Well, yeah, again, thank you so much. I know I learned something from every episode. It's if I see it come in my feed, it's Mm. like, I have to listen to this this day. Um, You know, and I, I love podcasts, but I've also, you know, found myself not listening to as many since the pandemic started, but yours is always one. Oh, Oh, thank you so much. That's amazing. And uh, Misty. I'm going to try to sh- spread the word, let other people know how good of a podcast you'll have. So, oh, thanks. So, thanks. And this has been really fun. Yeah, it has been. Yes. And uh, that's it for my episode with the Horticulturati hosts, Leah Turner and Colleen Dieter. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did recording it. Show notes for the episode can be found at thegardenpathpodcast.com. And that's also where you can sign up for the monthly newsletter for the podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Oceanic Wilderness to keep up with my garden and nature going ons. Until next time, happy gardening.